Well, a 13-day hiatus, Jay Teresi, welcome back to the booth, welcome back to the pod, and listeners, welcome back to Rediscovering Biblical Manhood. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Chica. So good to be back. 13 days, man. It seems like we're, we're, we're rolling into this cadence of two weeks, but with, with life going on right now, I'm so glad that we uh, are coming up on our two-year anniversary of this podcast. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. I remember where I was when we did our first one. and <laughs> Without the technology? <laughs> Without earbuds, it was terrible. <laughs> no technology. I was on a family vacation at the Great Wolf Lodge up in Pennsylvania, and it was uh, it was great. So it's been a wonderful conversation. I think you and I, we've seen a lot of change in our lives over the last two years. And, you know, again, this podcast is just two men trying to work out biblical manhood and letting people in on the conversation. We're not theologians or professors, but we do follow Christ and we do study Christ and life and think deeply about these things and spend a lot of time with men. And so we hope it's beneficial because it's been encouraging for us. Thank you, Jay. Uh, So this week, listeners, as we jump in, we're going to kind of lean back on last episode around the concept of a hill worth dying on. Jay Jay and I, we'd been talking offline wanting to go a little bit deeper. So Jay, would you mind opening us up in prayer and we can jump into discussion? Yes, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for technology that allows us to have broader conversations. Thank you for all the people that think so deeply on these topics that we can share and discuss. We just ask that you would guide this conversation today. And for those that need to hear, they would have ears to hear. They would see and consume and be changed by the conversation. Lord, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So Jay, where we left off, what we didn't really dive deeper into was this this idea of what you and I personally have maybe considered when it looks like a hill worth dying on. And for listeners, just as a refresher, if you missed last episode, we're talking about the idea of, well, firstly, our Lord and Savior died on a hill. Um, but when we talk about this world and the flesh and, and just how much of our day-to-day lives we are willing to either stand or sit, depending on the circumstance. Yeah, there's a lot of writings about the major theme and the minor theme in life. And if you think about Christianity, you know, we often talk about the greatest story ever told and it's God's story. Well, we would call that the major theme. The major theme of your life should be the role you're playing in God's big story. But there's all these minor themes, the things that happen to us, we get sick, we have a work crisis, fight with our spouse, the things we're worried about that cause us anxiety. How do you know if you're in a minor theme? You're anxious about it. You're worried about it. You're trying to control it. You have fear about it. And the minor themes distract us from the major theme. And the minor theme is nothing but a series of hills we're dying on, in my view, that as we discussed last week, Jesus is like, I didn't really want you on that hill to begin with. How do we get back to the major theme? Because those are the hills I think worth dying on. I had a side thought there, listeners. If we're dying on all these hills, are we resurrecting ourselves to go die on the next hill? No. <laughs> <laughs> like the Matrix. Um, right? Yeah. Respawn. I am respawn. So, Jay, last um, last night I was thinking about, wow, there is, there's a real major theme that I have as a, as a kind of moral, I'm willing to die for this. When, when I think about my wife, when I think about my family, and I realized, I'm like, this is so earthly, so fleshly. And so, Jay, when the, the example I was thinking of was, you know, I'm standing next to my wife. Let's pretend I'm at the airport 
<clears throat> and a gentleman walks past or is rude back to my wife, immediately I have this reaction of, oh, no way. There is no way you will ever speak to my wife like that. And my chest comes out and I flex my muscles and I say, I'm going to defend my wife because she is a hill worth dying on right now. And I want to pause there for a second and say, wow, so is that Christ-like? Wow, is that a major or a minor theme? And and it kind of extends too, right, to my daughters, to my family. It's almost the godfather sense of of earthly fleshness of I'm loyal to the point where I'm willing to die for my family. But is that the biblical way, Jay? Yeah, such a good question because everybody on the podcast is probably like, yes, absolutely. And if Jesus was there and the man bumped in and he was rude, you know, you, you just got to imagine the question he would ask is, what's happening in that man's life right now? And, and, and does he know the father? And I should explore that. And you're like, that's a major theme response. <laughs> I don't know very many people that would respond that way. But yeah, I mean, I think that's the point is if we're in Christ, we're unoffendable. We've talked about that here. Boy, that is such a that is such worthy of a rediscussion. And if we're unoffendable when somebody's rude to us, our response when we know who we are in Christ, and we're going to talk about that hill, is what is happening in that man's heart right now? Mm. That he is so distraught that he doesn't even realize how rude he's being to my wife. And it happens in the workplace. I mean, and I've had moments actually, and maybe this is a reflection of of the growth that I've had over the last couple of years, Jay, where a coworker will say something rude or very direct, and I sit back and I don't take offense to it. I just go, "Ha, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so sorry your heart must be that hurt right now, or you've got those wounds that we've spoken about as well, that it's got to come across like that, or you have to behave like that in this setting. And so there is almost this, this empathy of, ah, oh, man, what a bummer. I really want better for you. And at the same time, in the flesh, in the world, in the circumstance, that would be really weird to say that out loud to somebody. Yeah. And, and I think who knows how that would go, but you know, a lot of times, a lot of times I think it's going to stop people because somebody saw them. Right. And what did we say about Jesus? He was the most present man in the history of the world. He saw people. And when people suddenly realize they're seen, it causes them to take a step back usually. And, you know, not always, sometimes you could say something like, how, how can I pray for you today? And might make it worse, but mm-hmm. you know, what is the, the major theme response? The minor theme, the easy theme is the flesh theme, which is indignant response, debate, fight, you know, the things that will distract us from mission. Well, you, you, you've held the curtain long enough, Jay. So I'm really curious to see how you're labeling major, major versus minor. Well, I've put a lot of thought into this over the last couple of weeks. You know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and, and wanted to bring it down a level, double click into, okay, we, we talked about hills worth dying on, but what are they? And so Chica and I have some perspectives we want to offer just from our own lives and experience and, and, and thoughts. You know, if you're a man listening to this podcast and you've been blessed with a wife and children, or you plan to be blessed with a wife and children, that is your first priority. That is your major life ministry. And when you die and go to heaven, Jesus will ask you, what did you do with the family I entrusted to you as their spiritual leader? That's going to happen. You're going to get asked that question. And if that's a hill worth dying on, and I believe it is, are there any hills we got to die on before that so that we can be super high quality spiritual leaders of our homes, our wife and our children and steward and shepherd them 
the way that the word intends us to. So are you saying that the chest thumping about my wife and kids godfather style is is worth dying on then? I don't know. I think before we can die on the hill of our spiritual authority, I think we have to know who we are. Mm. For me, what I've come to learn is, and we've talked about it on this podcast numerous times over the last couple of years, if I don't know where my identity is, if I don't know where my identity is, I will never respond in the way that the major theme intends. And so I'll give you a great example. We were on a family vacation a few weeks ago and we stopped at a rest spot you know, in one of those sketchy parts of the world, you know, I, I don't know why they look the same everywhere with the nasty bathrooms and everything. But we came out and there was a homeless man in the hallway. And so my whole family's there and it's kind of a rough part of town. It's a little tense. My wife's a little tense. And he started talking about, I apologize. I took so long in the bathroom. I don't have anywhere to live and I had to get cleaned up. I gave him some money, but, and he went and bought some food, but you know what I didn't do? I didn't ask him about his story. I didn't acknowledge him. I didn't even ask him his name. So you didn't see him. I versus, did not see mm, him. Mm. And I was nervous. I wanted to just give him the money and get my family back in the car and let's get out of here. Mm. That is me in fear, trying to protect my family rather than saying, is this an opportunity for all of us to grow spiritually and to pour into this man? I wow. could still have given him the money, but what if I had said, hey, what's your name? How's things going in your life? Is there anything I can pray about for you? I really regret that. Because I think that was an opportunity, not only for me, but for my children to witness that. And what did they witness? They witnessed dad being generous, but not in a chivalrous way. I was, you know. That's, that's a really good call out. Thanks for sharing that, Jay. And I understand that. I mean, I've had many moments like that in different circumstances too. And it's hard, right? Because we all have that inner fear in circumstances too, whether it's in public, whether you're alone, whether you're in front of your family, but wow, that's a cool perspective to be thinking about how and what are the optics that my kids, my children, my wife is looking at me as I behave in this way. Yeah. So back to your question, when the man's rude to your wife, if you are secure in your identity in Christ and you're not going to be offended because you're not really rising to defend your wife, you're reacting in offense. Rather, if you knew who you were, you were firmly rooted, your response probably would have been, sir, are you okay? Is there anything you need? How can I help you? Mm. And that is wow. altogether a different response. But that would come from a major theme. A minor theme response would be, oh my gosh, everybody just saw the man rude to my wife. I'm a man. I've got to step up. I've got to defend her in this moment. Now, of course, if somebody's attacking your wife, you can defend your wife. But I'm saying in your example, right. if somebody was rude to her and bumped into her and clearly he's frazzled and had whatever... There is a different opportunity set presented. And, you know, if we're living in Christ, we know who our identity is. We can ask Jesus in the moment. And I failed to do that in the bathroom. I did not pause for that split second to say, Jesus, what is it you want from me in this moment? And mm. that was the miss because I was locked into the minor theme. Wow. Man, we could wrap the podcast there, Jay. I think that's a lot to chew on um, <clears throat> in regards to. So just to recap, the major theme you're talking about here is your family as a ministry. Your family is a ministry that is definitely a major theme and part of God's larger story. If you're a biblical man who's been entrusted with that, I think the first hill you got to die on before you try to die on the hill of stewarding your family well is who are you mm. and where does your identity come from? Because that will feed everything else you do. And from there, the next hill I would recommend dying on is your purpose. What is my purpose? Why did God create me? You're not created on accident. God had a purpose for you in the major theme. 
Like he's got something for you to do in the major theme. So, you know, if you know who you are, you know what your purpose is, and then your core values of who you are as a man, bringing those down, labeling them on paper. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Then you've got identity, purpose, values. Now you will shepherd your family in a way that is aligned with the major theme. The minor theme is, well, I'll go to work. I'll provide. I got a paycheck. I am taking care of my family. Really? So many men feel that burden of, I have to deliver. I have to be the provider. But that is not what scripture says. Jesus says, I know what you need. I will take care of your family. I didn't give you that family so you could go to work for 14 hours a day and stress out about how you're going to feed them. That is my job. I will feed them. Your job is to love them, to steward them, to show them Christ, to bestow identity upon them. That's one of the unique giftings of fatherhood and manhood. You bestow identity to your children. But how can you do that if you don't know who you are, what you stand for, why God created you, and trust that he's going to take care of your family? That's his job. Your job is to steward them well. That family is on loan to you, by the way. They're not yours. Mm. They're his. They're his children. It's his daughter that's your wife. He has loaned them to you to steward them well on this side of the veil. And you are his too, Jay. And it's not on, as you said before, it's not on you. A lot of the time, I know that in my workday or even when I'm reflecting strategically about my life, about what's the next season, I have to manage it versus leaning back and saying, Jesus, you manage this. I'm in faith with you, right? And it's a constant reflection back that I've, and you've been walking with me on on the last four years with this. I'm finding now every time the next season comes, I am more faithful to say, he's got us. He's got us. Even if there is a cliff and I can't see past that cliff right now, I know that if I was to take that step of faith, he's going to he's gonna provide the next uh, the next catch for us. So, Jay, here's an example that, that I faced at work this week um, where we, we had a, a lunch and learn where one of our colleagues came on and started to speak about her faith, her Muslim faith, and the celebration of Ramadan. And it was a fascinating journey with slides and voiceover and... Um, it was really well done. And at the end of it, I had that opportunity where I was hosting it in front of a hundred and something odd colleagues. I could have stepped in and said, yes. And have anyone else heard or has anyone else heard of of a man called Jesus, right? Because I think of what you were just speaking to about scripture and about the hill worth dying on. How How often do we go through our days where we have opportunities like this, where we could speak and be the salt and light for other people in their walk? However, fleshly, um, not desires, but fleshly kind of boundaries or fleshly agreements have been made whereby we live in a country where everybody's free to have their own religion, their own faith. And so therefore, how dare you speak about your faith to another person as if they are walking the wrong path? What's your reaction to that, Jay? A couple of things that I've learned over the years that have been very powerful for me. One is that Seeing souls saved, saving souls, pe- help people coming to faith in Christ is not our job. Yes. That is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Once I really learned that, I saw why so many efforts to see people saved fail because it's done out of the flesh. The second thing I would say is I heard someone say once, spread the gospel always when necessary, use words. And so she did a beautiful slide presentation. She talked about her faith. That's wonderful. 
people will not be attracted to a slide presentation. They're going to be attracted to an active living life that looks different than theirs, that is offering something they don't have but want. And many, many things can be false, but when you and lead people down that path, we see it every day. But when you live from the truth, the opportunities where the Holy Spirit wants you to drop a rock in somebody's shoe, drop the seed, drop the name of Jesus, they'll present themselves naturally. And so I think your, your point's a good one is that would be another great moment to say to Jesus, now, Lord, now. And he will say, no, not now. Hmm. Or yes, yes, now, speak of me, speak of me now. That's where when we're stuck in the minor theme, like stressing about our life and how am I going to feed my family and how am I going to provide in all that stress, we're missing our family. We're not pouring into them, feeding them, showing them the peace and love of Christ. We're not actually serving our ministry. Or in your in your example, if you're all stressed out about, should I talk? Should I, I should share the love. I should share Jesus right now to counteract this beautiful presentation they just saw in Islam versus, Lord, do you want me to drop your name now? And then if he does want you to drop it now, he's going to say yes like this. Or, no, it's okay. That's major theme living. Major theme living is being connected to Jesus all the time. That's difficult. We talk about it here, the Game of Minutes, Brother Lawrence, all the other things. But I, I really believe that's the whole point, Chica, is hills worth dying on are the ones Jesus is on right now. And he's with you on your minor hills, but he doesn't want you dying there. He wants you trusting him to get you off of that hill. I love it. Let me, let me, when you were talking about the homeless guy, and I'm now talking about the, the, the coworker at work, um, I think that the same after the fact reflection, looking back that, that same feeling of not regret, but just like a, Oh, is that a miss? It was there for me yesterday, as much as it probably was for you when you, when you interacted with the homeless man, but I love how you just twist, uh, how you just articulated there that he's with us on the minor, but he really wants us for the major. And I, and I think as we turn the corner and, and start to run downhill here towards the end of this week's podcast, Jay, what are some applicable handles or what are some other major kind of themes we need to be thinking about? And if we need to spill into next podcast, we can. I think a hill worth dying on is learning to live in the present moment. So Chica, we heard a sermon a couple of weeks ago and the pastor was talking about Dallas Willard and he said he knew a pastor and she was doing an exercise for a college assignment, I think. And she was going around and asking people to describe Jesus in one word. And she's in Southern California where Dallas Willard lived. And she happened to know him. I don't know if he went to her church or whatnot. And so people are giving her the requisite answers. He's holy. He's God. He's this. He's that. So she asks Dallas Willard to describe Jesus in one word. And he says, relaxed. Hmm. And then he says to her, Young lady, are you relaxed? And you know, what's a hill worth dying on? Jesus was relaxed in the present moment because he trusted the Lord and he stayed connected to the major theme. And he didn't worry about the minor things because the Lord said, I see the sparrow that falls. I see the lilies. I clothe them. Will I not take much more care of you that is the greatest? Jesus understood the proverb where words are many. Sin is not absent, but a wise man holds his tongue. He was present with people. That's a hill worth dying on. Because then you will be so in tune with God, things will just happen around you and flow through you. But back to the beginning, I don't know how you can be present if you don't know where your identity is rooted, if you don't know why God put you here and you haven't asked him about it, if you don't know what your values are, 
then it's difficult because the minor theme lives in the future in the form of anxiety, and it lives in the past in the form of shame, and it blocks you from the present. And you miss all the opportunities because God only lives in the present. God is in all those places, but he lives in the present. He's doing things in the present. That's where he's operating. And that's where he wants us to operate. Amen. Well, Jay, I think that that is a great handle to grab. And and for all of our listeners there, your purpose, your values, your identity is maybe a reflection point for this week as we walk and think about the hills that are minor versus major um, walking with Jesus as Christian men rediscovering their biblical manhood. So, Jay, let me pray. Lord, there is so much to unpack here. Lord, there is so much to reflect on. And I think at the center of all of this, a blocker for us could be pride. And so, Lord, this week I just I ask that you crush the pride in our flesh so that we can be open and our eyes and ears and hearts can be open to find you as we reflect on the past, the future, because we want to be in the present with you. So Lord, give us a clean road to finding a purpose. Lord, give us a clean road to finding our identity. And Lord, just give us the pause, the pause to be with you moment by moment this week um, as we continue to reflect on our major versus minor themes of hills worth dying on. We love you so much. It's in his name we pray. Amen.